Listening to Omnis Protocol, I am Charles, also known as Omnis, and here with me is Simon, aka Vodka Blitz. What's going on, man? Lots of new articles to do. Yep, and a lot of new stuff to try and explore. I'm pretty pumped for oh, what's man. in front of me right now. Yeah, it's like it's kind of funny because it's kind of like, are we? Are we? We're not still doing like just spoiler coverage episodes but there's just like so much to talk about right now right like just everything it it's literally a whole new world of stuff to try yeah i mean they touched up what a little over 20 characters which is like 22 yeah yeah which is a pretty big part of the models that are available and a lot of them were uh just straight up buffed so it's gonna change the landscape for sure well, and a lot of those models were like extremely meta relevant stuff. So it was going to be very impactful. It wasn't just like, oh, here we we scraped the bottom of the barrel and we gave those a little bit of love. There was a lot of like, well, we scraped off the top of the barrel <laughs> and like mixed that into the middle a bit. And then we just took a whole bunch of things and made them way more exciting. And yep. X-Men got a bit of both worlds. <laughs> yeah. And I think it uh, was mostly necessary because let's be honest x-men gold was too good it was always too good i was like i was blown away when i saw that leadership i was like how is this fucking okay yeah and i was surprised it took so long for it to be like kind of a a widely perceived thing um but yeah now uh now we're we've we've we're moving past that world i feel a little bad for the x-men fans who never quite got to enjoy it yeah, but I think honestly, Storm's leadership left thing like came out mostly unscathed. Like it's probably a little less reliable than it used to. But well, let's so let's let's just dive right in then. Let's talk about <laughs> the the leadership changes. Obviously, Storm was our girl, right? Um, I mean, we can like no longer cover it's now just re-roll a defense die and you have to spend one to use the leadership so so past your like first perceptions like when you read the document how has it been feeling in action for you now honestly um mostly pretty similar like i think the defensive re-roll instead of cover is the thing you feel the most on the table uh but now the positive thing you can get out is if you can leverage your positioning well it stacks with cover which i think gives you enough incentive to like leverage board and terrain which you didn't really have to do before and i think that comes out as a like at least in play experience as as something more interesting uh but Honestly, losing cover is probably the biggest downside. The power cost, I feel, especially with your affiliated character in first class, you don't feel it that much. Like, I thought it would be a bigger deal than it actually is on the table. That's fair. Um, So from, from my perspective, like... The main thing with the leadership change is it it does change my team composition a bit. Now, when it comes to things like who's going to grab extracts for me, um, there's a lot of characters that I used to grab extracts with more commonly, say like uh, Sabretooth, right? That that That's not really going to be a thing anymore. I'm not going to have Sabretooth hop off someone first activation, grab the center cube, and then move backwards long. It doesn't work, right? Like he, he doesn't have the power to do the hop and the grab. Um and so now you're really thinking about who's doing your center hop either has to have two power, right? So it could still be a Hella. It actually could be an Iron Fist. Yep. Um, but a lot of the time you're probably doing it with an affiliated character that when you're, you know, kind of mixing in first class and stuff. So I did find, you know, for better or worse, there's there was a lot of lists that I was working on for X-Men and they all ended up having more X-Men characters in general. Um there's still some splash stuff coming, though. Yeah, for um, sure. Um, I yeah. think I'm pretty much in the same position. Like, I think you want to give, especially in round one, 
uh, priority to your affiliated piece just because first class lets you interact still. Um, but in the subsequent rounds, usually it's pretty fine for anyone who can to use the jump still. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it does get like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of layers to it. There, there are times that I'm finding that like if rogue's going to hop off someone and grab an objective, she now doesn't have charge online turn two. So there's little things like that, that if rogue grabs your midline and then backs up, you know, she's, she's, she's not going to be quite as online the next term. So there's just little stuff like that. You have to keep in mind. Um, I will also say that like you, I got into X-Men for the hop, right? But to a certain extent, I feel like I kind of stayed for the cover, you know, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I definitely see that. Like the hop is the really flashy part, right? That's the first thing that, uh, keeps your attention when you look at that leadership. But the more you, uh, the more you were playing them and playing them, the more, cover would feel like the comfort blanket you had when you were ahead on VPs, right? Like it would keep you warm at night and help you close <laughs> the game. Yeah. And it was like, there were times when I was trying other things, like I would switch off and I would try Asgard and I was doing their healing. And I was just like, I'm not healing back more damage than cover was protecting. Yeah. And that's right? a and huge like, difference. Like the tempo know, it denied was honestly probably probably an issue for the game. Yeah. And it and it was weird cuz like obviously when I started it was it was all about how am I manipulating the hop and like which secures am I getting to, which extracts am I getting to, utilizing it to put, you know, immobile characters into better positions, you know whether that was Domino or Corvus or whatever. Um but then I'm I'm really feeling the the cover when i'm when i'm playing and i honestly i feel it on storm maybe the most where there were a lot of times where she really needed cover to kind of stay alive (laughs) right where there was a lot of times she's getting attacked at range three or just outside of range two and the cover is kind of shifting that math and i found a lot of the things that i used to do with storm is now danger zone and so i have to kind of like reevaluate like how i'm playing her yeah, um, I, my experience has been similar, especially for the, like, quote-unquote squishier models the affiliation had. Uh, there's Storm, Magic, Gambit, like, your whole swathe of characters that are, like, more on the fragile side, especially with, like, three physical defense and five health. They tend to go down a lot faster, and now the reroll, like, makes them much more prone to be randomly taken off the table. Yeah, and that that is something where I will say, like, I was a Gambit defender back in the day. I am not a Gambit defender now. Like, yeah, I don't <laughs> think you can play characters that fragile in in X Men Gold. Like, it, it's no longer it's no longer reasonable. You you are you you're gonna for the most part play characters who are above average durability, kind of across the board. Like, I. I I, at this point, like beyond storm, I'm not sure I would like, like beast is the bare minimum durability, like beast and domino are like, you know, they're slightly above average for a three, I feel like. And that would be like my, that's my bottom of the barrel for durability. Is that kind of where you're at, Mr. Blitz? Uh, kind of. I think I'm also not as prone to play fragile characters I was before, but not quite to playing all these stuff. I think. Uh, and we'll go, I think we'll go probably into Storm's other changes a little later, but I feel with uh, the changes they made to her character card, um, I'm still willing to play a fragile tech piece or two. Um, but it's much more risky than it was before. Yeah, totally fair. Um, and I, I will say, um, I I have really enjoyed the Storm changes, like... Why my first game with Storm, she had an activation where she like dazed like nine threat worth of characters. <laughs> and it like I mean they were they were already taken a little bit of like, you know, incremental damage, so they weren't full health. But I was amazed at her ability to just like six dice, six dice throw, and it's just like 
okay, yeah, she just cleaned, you know, you, you thought nine threat ganging up on storm on the back spider portal was going to be a good time and you were going to enjoy your success. And she's like, no, fuck that. I'm storm bitches. And yeah, like, oh man. Uh, for me, it's like really she, crazy. Just how tweaking that, like moving her eye of the storm from three to two makes her so much more proactive on the board. Like I, that's, honestly the biggest change i didn't see coming like i didn't imagine it would make such a big difference in how she plays uh and yeah she's and, uh... just like now being able to do like these two six die builder plus throws semi-regularly or even now i'm actually just considering her beam as an actual option just six die physical beam three that stuns on damage is a okay if you're only paying two to boost the dice uh which before at three it was a pretty bad investment well uh aman likes to talk about you know, he and i like the very first game that he and i played i like it was this sweaty game against daredevil criminals and i used her beam like there was a point where i'm like okay I need to I need to turn some shit around and I think Daredevil had taken four or five points of damage and there was another character and like she beamed and took at least two characters activations off the table. Yeah. And you know, and I think there was definitely some degree of like cuz I don't use that very often, but that was just like it was a moment and um and yeah, she does like she just has some actually kind of crazy output for a three threat now. And so you're 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 just kind of doing a different game like it might even end up being like maybe this is just a hot take, but maybe Mutant Mad Men is now actually like better for X-Men than Spider Portals is like, is that possibly the world we're living in now? Honestly, I'm almost tempted to agree. Like, yeah. It's just, like, being able to be that much more proactive with your leadership and the character it's on makes just such a big difference. I really didn't expect it to be that impactful. Um, and doubly so under X-Men Blue. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk X-Men Blue. Um, the listeners probably already know that I was, like... So my very first game... I put Cyclops on the table. I was like, let's try this out. Like I've always liked his kit and yeah. Oh, Oh my God. Did it fall apart? Like immediately on a B map. And I had turns where I couldn't get, I had so many turns where I just couldn't even give out power. And it was, it was very frustrating right away. And now, and I think part of that was the, like, you know, just kind of wanting to play X-Men with just like all the boys, you know, like all the, like all the mutants and there wasn't a ton of thought put into, like, how am I going to trigger this for leadership? How am I going to reliably do this? Like, what's my plan to, like, keep characters alive to, like, kind of keep the whole engine going? And it, it really is a more complicated plan. Um, and so now I'm like, okay, there's there's places where you can use this leadership. But it's not this just, like, plug and play, throw mutants into it, have a parade Yep. Like you kind of have to build around it and then know when you are not going to use it. Um, Blitz, where are you kind of landing on, on the summers so far? Uh, so far, I actually really like it. And I think my, uh, the first game I played on it, because when they dropped the balance patch, we were headed to a tournament out of town, like the very next morning. So I had to re to rethink my roster from the ground up to try the new characters like 12 hours before the event. Love um, it. Exciting though, isn't it? It's fun <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> so yeah, like I, but yeah. I was building my roster in the car and figured like I'm here to try new stuff. Let's play Mono Cyclops like full act full X-Men Blue. Let's uh let's do it. And honestly, it wasn't as bad as I expected on D's and B's. Like, especially on these, I think the biggest uh, thing that weighs against it is when you don't factor in, like, uh, rotation. And what I mean by that is usually when you're playing on a B or D map, uh, you're going to pivot to either side of the board. So if you concentrate your characters more towards the side you're going to 
like pivot towards the i felt the range five was like more than enough so that i could feed most of my character's power and didn't think it was too bad um obviously i still think x-men gold is better on these shapes but uh i think blue is functional enough if you know what you're doing and uh, that may be easier said than done uh (laughs) but i really liked my experience overall with it i think it it's uh it's pretty interesting leadership uh if only to diversify x-men yeah it definitely gives some other play options um i think here when i start building stuff for scott i'm looking a lot more at out of affiliation stuff than i was with storm um sure he's been a really good pick so far as to like like because i uh, another game i played i had a problem where so it was inhumans versus um x-men blue and like inhumans was just kind of like teleporting characters but they weren't in range four so they were all kind of like threatening the center demon but like weren't there yet and were kind of just out of range of all the attacks Mm. and so like nobody was getting powered up and and so i'm like okay so this is really teaching me right away that you kind of want a range five character in the in the list somewhere and then probably some degree of reliability to help them get it off. Um, and then also, like, when you want to start the whole train rolling, how do you get that first character to, you know, to be reliable, right? Like, if you're like, if Cyclops is going to go first, I really want to give Logan a power and I want to give Rogue a power, right? Like, how can you make sure that Cyclops's dice kind of sink in? And so Shuri's been kind of like sinking a lot of that stuff together. Um, she's also a slightly juicier target than Cyclops, which can sometimes protect Scott. Yeah. Um, uh, the one I've seen most people play with, uh, that I kind of like is Heimdall just because in addition to rerolls, he also provide an out of activation attack, uh, to leverage the the leadership a little more, which I really don't hate. Um, because, uh, honestly, for my range five character, I'm 100% leaning into cable for X-Men Blue. Yeah, uh, and I think that's that's a totally valid spot, and I think Heimdall's potentially solid. I think there's, you, I mean, there's a lot of reroll characters we could potentially be talking about here, like yeah. Sentinel Prime, um, yep. Invincible Iron Man. Um, but I do think you're, and this was kind of back, like, if, if you go back in time, right, this is kind of just going full circle. When we were originally trying to make the X-Men work back in the day, right, when your core, you know, is something like Storm, Beast, Cyclops, or like Storm, Wolverine, Cyclops, or something, because that's like all you have. Yeah. You know, I played Shuri. Yeah, you know, Taskmaster got in there at a certain point, but like Shuri was one of my go-tos to try to kind of make them all function, right? Like, because all of them were like, as soon as their power generation was kind of rolling, everything else turned on. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I've always kind of liked um, liked Shuri in that kind of role, you know, cut a, you know, try to cut an attack out of the mix by pushing someone away. Um, and so I think there's there's a lot of layers to that. Um, how has Scott personally felt for you? Because unfortunately, I had a lot of like bad dice whiffs right off the bat too. So it was just like I was not getting the triggers for um, speed of sight. I was like whiffing damage rolls like left and right were, you know, and sometimes it wasn't even a whiff. It was just like two or three successes, but then they get two or three blocks. And it was just like was just not getting where I needed him to go. How has he felt for you? Um, Honestly, I was already a big Cyclops fan before his buff, so I'm 100% biased here. Uh, But I really like the glow up. Like, even if he doesn't have maybe the dice consistency to reliably feed his team, uh, anyone who's played the Hellfire Club knows how unreliable Emma's triggers are. (laughs) They're basically the same. Um, but honestly, like the size three push, even if you whiff is a big glow up and field leader is just straight up better if you fuel him with power. And I think that alone makes him shine a lot more than before. Just being able to use field leader, like at least once around, if not twice, is just like insane mobility. 
and I think even if he's not the most perf- uh not the best performer on your team, I think he's still a decent support. Like honestly, he feels I feel Cyclops as a leader plays strangely similarly to Storm in that they're both kind of fragile, kind of range uh attackers with some displacement and they give uh, they have a defensive tech and some mobility tool, but basically, like I feel, they play very similarly, and that they're on your backline and they shoot gun. You hope they do shit, uh, but you don't lean on them too much. Well, and yeah, and like at the same, like it's really kind of funny, like how actually similar they are, and like people are probably like, oh, it's totally two different styles, but it's like it is, but not kind really. of like kind of fragile for their threat level, right? Like they're not, they're not tanky. They're just fine. Right. And then they're doing range four guns and they're occasionally going to like provide you with a little displacement. And then both of them are kind of there because you want to move your other characters around. Yep. Right. Like that's, that's fundamentally like you're, you're, you're trying to improve the action economy of your team and storm does it with the leadership and, um, Scott is doing it with like field leadership or like getting their charges and stuff online a little bit earlier. Yep. Um, and so they, they, they really do kind of just do the same thing, but at the same time, like they do, they still are do, doing the same thing, but like they do it very differently. Like it's, it's different parts of the puzzle. Right. Um, yeah. And I think they, since uh, they both, tend to not enjoy the same type or shape of scenarios they complement each other fairly well and uh just because like storm on wider maps is usually better because she has a throw and her leadership is super uh, an extra kicker of mobility while cyclops the range on these leadership invites you to play more tight-knit maps uh so i think in that sense they complement each other fairly well and like even under each other, they still play fairly well. Like, I've really liked Storm under Cyclops. Uh, a boosted beam, like six die beam to build power for your team feels super good. Um, and Cyclops, now that he's re- a more reliable control tool, um, feels also better under Storm. Yeah, it is kind of interesting now how like the ability to, you know, play an X-Men team that has like some form of displacement across the entire list, right? Like you can you can really easily play even a fully affiliated team and be like, everybody can throw or push someone. Yeah, and for me, that's such a big kicker as opposed to uh, like a week and a half ago, right? Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Um, so on the topic of leaderships, um, we're not going to talk about X-Force that much because I just (laughs) did like a two hour episode on cable, but with X-Men now actually playing cable, because cable is just a really solid five threat, it's really easy to pivot to his leadership as well now for the average X-Men team. And so I really do like back in the day, it used to be like, oh, I could totally like pivot to X-Force but why would I want to? Yeah, I think and... now you have a much more solid argument. And I think like there's a bunch of ways to make uh, X-Men or variation of X-Men and X-Force viable. And for me, that's like a super fun playground to explore, right? Like you could, I could see, uh, at least so far with the current meta and testing, like someone do mono X-Men gold, split gold and blue, uh, mono blue, blue and X-Force, or gold and X-Force, and all these variations be viable and competitive. Uh, the only part I think I would disagree with is I don't think mono blue is is going to feel... I mean, I guess like where you draw the line of viability. For me, I think what I would consider viable for me to play and be comfortable playing one leadership all the time, I feel like X-Men Blue is is under that by at least a little bit. But that might just be a personal preference thing for me. Um, other people might find they like or they have like a list, a special list composition that like really feels like it works on a D or something. Um, and I'll be really excited when that kind of stuff starts popping up. 
um like this is how you play you know x-men blue like 100 percent of the time yeah i still think like x-men blue is probably a worse leadership than x-men gold but i think it's probably going to fall somewhere in the middle of the pack as in strength of leadership but that's such a big glow up from where it was before that <laughs> it was easily that the bottom day. like easily the bottom i am not complaining yeah so just the last wrap up with um mentioning x-force is like it is now like a seriously viable option you're probably playing cable anyway and there's little things that like oh all of a sudden like the x-men gold matchup with guardians got really wonky and then you're like pretty sneaky sis with like how good the x-force characters is now like actually can like kind of shit on guardians and like they they it can easily make for a really really awkward turn um and so just for the 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 mutant fan base you really can blend these in in a lot of different combinations yeah absolutely and like with the amount of characters overlap between the two affiliation um it's it's almost free right like the biggest stress is on your tactics card and it's not even that bad so past just talking about the leaders, which of the affiliated X-Men do you find that you are playing the most now? Um, like, and like try to like preface this a little bit with like, except that right now you're probably testing everything. Yeah. But like if you sat down and you were playing in a, in a tournament, which ones are feeling like the ones you are going to play the most often? Not not factoring in Storm or cyclops i think of the buffed characters colossus is hands down the big standout for me uh he's been just putting a crazy amount of work uh under both leaders like i've tried both and hybrid setup so far and he's impressed me in all setups uh just that medium move and immunity to push makes him so much more annoying to deal with um he can you can be a little more cocky when you grab scenario pieces and try to invite the other player into attacking him uh the range three spender is also one of the things that surprised me the most like in uh last week's tournament final i ended up doing two spenders in a row to fish for staggers and that's not something I expected to ever say about Colossus. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, I like, feel that. we all know just how tanky he is on his injured side and like inviting the opposing player to attack him to try and daze him makes him like much more threatening. He's super tanky and a good pivot for Storm. And when you can feed him power with Cyclops, he gets the throw really regularly. Uh, he bodyguards for days. Like, I found myself having power to boost his defense on his healthy side, which is something I almost never did before, um, which yeah, feels really, say, really good. Like On the topic of Colossus, yeah. I just wanted to say, like, I was really hyped about Colossus out the gate. And I will say, like, my my feelings on him dropped a little bit as I was, like, actually having to play Taunt instead of Bodyguard because listeners know, like, I actually played Cyclops before this yep. or sorry i actually played colossus before this and i and i liked what he did for certain lists and i really would have just loved to play that site like play colossus but with a medium move but that's not quite what i got and the medium move is fantastic and it does make him feel functional yep. losing I'm- bodyguard hurts him which kind of stops him from being like maybe even my favorite x-men um but I will say that 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 spender has actually brought him back up a couple notches for me, like as I was getting kind of sad about the taunt, because I, I have found the range three on the spender has often meant that he can like attack or like spender someone and then move back to a key location, like with an objective or something. And like, it's just yeah. the, the math of just having a range three attack is so nice. And so, um, he, yeah. he he does feel like a really solid character and um like definitely one i'm gonna be playing a fair amount of yeah i agree for the range of the spender is really big honestly as it, uh, it's another thing that surprised me but i actually 
prefer him with Taunt now than Bodyguard, even though I think it is worse in ability for what he wants to do. Um, but I think it fits his newfound play pattern better uh, because I found that like putting him like right up front and either forcing your opponent to attack him or uh, giving him the opportunity to attack more often uh, would just fit better like what he's supposed to do, especially under X-Men Gold. Uh, under Blue, you can fuel him power and just park him uh, somewhere to be annoying. Uh, but that terrain throw racks in more damage and everything. But I was pleasantly surprised with how Taunt ended up, ended up playing out as opposed to Bodyguard, even though I think it is worse of an ability. So um, who else? Like, I know you're a Rogue fan. And yep. so um, Rogue seems like just a really solid character across the board for this new era of x-men is that kind of where you're at as well yeah i think if i had to take two models that even though they haven't changed benefited a lot from the overall affiliation changes i think domino and rogue would be like the two anchors in a dual x-men leadership list just because they both scale very well under both leaderships like, Domino and Rogue get tankier than they already are under Storm. Um, and when you can either fuel them with power in the case of Rogue, or fuel your team with power in the case of Domino, because Domino hits like a truck. If she can do four attacks in a round, she's very likely to give four power to your team. And that is pretty, pretty good. Um, All right. So now without just like go without us, like just going through the whole list of characters <laughs> and talking about how we're playing them in this new era. Yep. Is there another character that you want to shout out as being like, this is a character who's just like making a lot of my teams um, for both for both leaderships? Uh, I think the two five threats are my last standout. Like you did an episode in cables and it's super fun. I encourage listeners to give it a spin uh really great episode uh so i'll delve a little more into gene uh gene i've always been a big gene fan she was even in my lvo list uh for the last run uh i think her kit is pretty solid and it just got a lot better um that third power being the biggest difference maker just because it gives her a threat range uh she never had before being able to double move, throw size 4, or double move and use mental domination on round 1 is really scary. Like, you can take away a big model, punch another model just from the get-go, and that puts a lot of pressure on your opponent in a way that I uh, I really like. Um, yeah, I, I want to say that, like, Gene is kind of the biggest puzzle i think for the new era of x-men players because the additional power generation turns a lot of things online for her right yep. like you know just even the really simple play pattern of like hey we're playing on spider portals she's gonna double move she's gonna push your character away and then because of first class she's gonna interact and she's got four energy defense right like that is a really basic easy play pattern yeah, but then there's also stuff where like you could be playing on extremists and she could double move and chuck a size four at your character who just picked up a hammer or something. Mm-hmm. Right? Like there's there's a lot of layers and then like fucking mental domination is always online at the start yep. of every single one of her activations. <laughs> um but she's still a below average durability five threat like yeah she's still super not... super fragile yeah uh and it's spe- like thankfully like some of the like the bucky stuff got toned down right because of like if bucky hadn't gotten toned down like she'd just get fucking shredded yes. um but thank god like he's toned down but now there's going to be deadpools all over the place and like deadpool's yep. going to hunt her and like that's going to be a little bit of a problem um but will there be a play pattern where someone has the right mix of tools to like get all of that. Cause like if Jean gets to stay alive and do her thing, and this feels like 
this feels like a thing I'm starting to say more and more when it comes to the mutants, right? Like <laughs> this is what I was saying about Red Skull in X-Men Red, right? Like if you can yeah. keep Red Skull alive in an X-Men team, like he will run the table. Yes. And now I'm also kind of saying that about Cable, right? Like he's not as fragile as Red Skull, but like it's also kind of like, can you just never lose one of his activations? You probably win the game. Yeah. And I think that's probably also true for Gene. Like, if Gene just always gets to do the Gene shit, like, it's going to be bad news for your opponent. And so, uh, like, is it something where, like, she comes out against the more controly teams that are going to have struggle taking her down? Like, webs or something? Whereas, obviously, like, her superpowers are really effective there, but... Uh, she also doesn't really want to face off against Moon Knight. Like, that's not yeah, her that's favorite sure. thing either. Honestly, um, I think I like her a lot against Guardians, since they mostly, save for, like, Bill and Groot, have... Uh, energy attacks. Energy attacks. So yeah. she feels a lot less bad and helps smooth the matchup when they field CGR, uh, thanks to Shieldbind. Uh, so, like, there's a bunch... I think... The, and that's where, uh, so far, I've had the hardest choice uh, to make is when to field either Gene or Cable, which one I prefer, and if I can fit both in the list. Like, both have their distinct advantages and are both super fun models to play, just flat out. Um, yeah. And it's been, like, really, I think the the... The biggest challenge I found with the upgraded models was trying to fit Gene and Cable on the same list all the time. Yeah, and I put my first game was Cable under Scott. And I remember like being very excited about Scott's leadership. And then I was totally enamored with Cable. I was like, holy fuck, this guy's just hitting all of his numbers. And so yeah. like, it's it's hard for me to not want Cable as my as my five now. But I have gotten to some games with with Jean and she's really interesting. And I, I'm, I, I would like to see a little bit more of like how that whole puzzle unwinds and like, and if she's viable, like, is there an X-Men list that runs Jean and Cassandra? I don't think they run both, but I'd be interesting to, I'd be interested to see it, like how it goes. Uh, the one okay. thing I want to bring up with Jean that actually happened to me in a game this week is uh, now since she starts with three power and her spender was discounted by one, uh, when she flips, she's usually pretty close to 10 power. Um, and if you hit that mark, uh, being able to do her spender twice in a row is really, really gross. Um, it will win you games. The other thing that um kind of had on my radar was playing gene and ma yeah and like what happens when you play on a map and like you throw both size fours round one (laughs) right like they only have one brace and when you start like if you have a map with a decent amount of terrain on it like the amount of pain and suffering like if you come anywhere forward like you're eating terrain right away um and so, like, there's, I and I don't know if that's going to be a thing, but that's just something that's kind of like on my mind of like, just how much pressure like Gene and Ma could like just put out right away in a game, and then like having access to mental domination and shush, like you also just have like really kind of insane cards. Um, so, will it work? I don't know. Just something. It's worth my... trying out. Yeah. Like, and that's one of the things I like with. Uh, these kind of big sweeping changes is like even if until the dust settle like at least until the dust settles there's so much things to explore and try uh that it's really a brewer's playground for sure um so let's talk splash characters for a little bit um before we before we run out of time um Who's jumping out to you as like the numero uno splash characters that are making it into your roster? You kind of mentioned Heimdall is on yep. the is on the radar. Um, I think the real standout again for both leaderships that didn't change for me is Pyro. Um, he's still a great control piece thanks to Firewall and a boosted beam. Like 
under for the same reason I liked Storm a boosted Pyro Beam under Cyclops is also really really good. Um, so uh, he's the character that I'm keeping in both lists. Uh, another I was looking at uh, was Miles actually. Um, I think he's a character that scales super well with power. He gives you an extract option, an extract drop option. Uh, under Storm, he's still tanky enough, so he gets additional benefit from the reroll. Uh, if you give him power, he can actually dish a fair amount of damage. Um, the other one I had on my list that I haven't started testing yet uh, is ASM. Uh, I think he's just uh, really interesting now. Uh, he's good on pay to flips. He's got good mobility. Uh, scales very well with the extra power for witty banners and his spender. Um, and I think can fuel well enough Cyclops leadership with seven dice builders early on. Uh, I think those were the, the first characters that I'm trying uh, so far. I like it. I like it. Um, I will say like of the kind of like revamped stuff, Ronin is back on my radar in a huge way. Um, longtime listeners of the show know that I've always liked this character. He's always been in that kind of weird spot where he never feels like the perfect choice, but if you play him and you put him in a position where he's the character that's like your opponents are kind of stuck attacking, right? Like if you have to put someone up on a secure early, if someone has to stand somewhere, you know, maybe it's senators, right? Where you're just like, I, I can't get away with all of these. Someone has to just go up and grab one and be like, fuck with me. And yeah. Ronin is often a really good choice for that. He's got four energy defense. And now with the seven health, like he's even more obnoxious to take down. Um, and some of like the super murder characters like are toned down a notch. Um, so he's back on my radar. Unfortunately, you can't do the stuff where he would like hop off of domino double move and like flip someone's back point is <laughs> off the table now. Sad yeah. times. Um, but he could be that person who goes up and flips a spider portal early for you or like goes up immediately and like flips one that somebody's already on. Cause he's got a reasonable chance to flip it over them. And you're, you're not too worried about him taking a few hits. Cause he will, he will punish people for, for doing that. Um, I don't know if this next bit is going to be things that people want to hear or not, because I think people <laughs> hated this roster when I played it, but Holy fuck is Corvus reality and Proxima back on the menu. Yeah, I, I agree. I also oh. thought about it when I saw the unrestriction on the gems, and I was like, eh, Thanos, Corvus Proxima, like, these are options worth keeping in mind now that were good, uh, that you made that played very successfully back in the days, uh, that I think are worth exploring again. Yeah, and I mean, like, Proxima's a good three anyway. Right. Like just when you think about like what your plays are on something like meteors or spider portals, she can walk, throw her spear, teleport to the spot and have an energy and like have a power to try to flip it. Right. Yeah. Like that's just a thing she always has on the table. And, you know, that and she's like reasonably tanky for a three, which is, I think, the sort of things that we want. She's still fast. Like she can get to different positions. She can place to try to like set up hops for other people. And she doesn't always need the hops. And then like sometimes people just taking pot shots at her. She'll be happy to take the reroll from the leadership. Um, she's also happy like to be that character who goes up and takes a risk to maybe even set up for Cyclops, right? Like she'll yep. go up there and like stab somebody like walking right, like walking long and then range three is fucking far. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, and I think both leaderships help solve Corvus's issues in different ways. Like Storm gives him additional mobility, which he lacks, and he's easy to displace since he's a size two. Uh, and Cyclops can just fuel him with power, so that whichever character uh, is facing Corvus gets true through his blender. Yeah, and I cannot stress enough, like. Thankfully, I think Corvus and Proxima have been off the menu for so long that maybe there isn't as much distaste for them. Because there were so many times where people were like, are you actually playing X-Men or are you just playing Corvus and Proxima? <laughs> and what you had to understand is like, half the time I wasn't even playing them together. 
Like they didn't always get played together. Like it wasn't important. And I had an entire games where Corvus never made a single attack. That wasn't his job. Yeah. Um, but when you're playing stuff like spider portals and meteors, the skulls are bad and reality works on like the interact role. And yep. so when he goes to flip a portal, he's less likely to be teleported away, but his three dice is almost as good as four dice, but he has a very low chance of taking the penalty, which is just huge. Like if you think about how often you go up to spider portals and then you immediately get teleported off, yep. like it sucks. And that, that almost ne- you have to roll two skulls with Corvus, which is that pretty unlikely on three dice. Yeah, you could go 50 games and never have a time where Corvus gets teleported off a point. Like, yeah. and then just, it's like really nice on meteors. And if he goes up and he takes the point and you like roll the skull, like that's a success for me. I'm not taking a damage. Like, yeah. um, and, and damage reduction, not taking that damage makes a pretty significant difference. Oh yeah, it all stacks up. And then like you add in the fact he's got the two power generation with reality. So he yeah. can do those tricks like, you know, if you if you haven't heard me talk about this before, listeners, like what I would do is I would walk Domino like basically Corvus. If you imagine he is perfectly central directly behind like my B or like my by back D Domino will like walk forward. She'll check the point, And then if she gets teleported off, she'll walk back and be exactly range two from Corvus. Then Corvus uses the storm hop places in front of her and really casually double moves to their back D, which is usually where people plant their like juicy leader character or like something that, yeah, like he just picks someone off like the next, the next round. And he will most of the time, like not every time, but like it's something like 70 ish percent chance to like take a point from someone that's assuming they didn't even get teleported away. Right. Like, But even with a character there, he's got a really high odds of flipping it out from underneath him. And worst case scenario, he's now back there ready to like mess with someone. Um, yeah. And and he's like reasonably fast, like medium move on the 50 millimeter base. I, I highly recommend if you're like really diving into new X-Men, um, Corvus is Corvus is going to be a really solid pick. Like I want to see someone paint him in like uh, X-Men colors. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it, on his and Proxima model, it could really come out well. Yeah, I think so. I think it, I think that would be super fun. They they just get they just get adopted. Um, yep. Yeah. So, have you tried Hella in X Men yet? No, but I've been on the receiving end of a oh. couple Hellas since, and yeah. she has uh, been nothing but impressive on the other side of the board. Uh, I think overall, she now is the better Eyes on a Prize model for most affiliations, uh, except the ones that can fuel power. I think like Hellfire Club, uh, maybe Brotherhood, A-Force, I'd still prefer Bill, just because you can uh, feed him power so that his throw is online round two. Uh, otherwise, I think Hellas Kit is much more dynamic early on uh her new active superpower has been like super super good so far um yeah she's she's on my radar for sure to to test the next men yeah she's she's another character who can do midline grabs for x-men doesn't need eyes on the prize she hops off of anybody she she can go and you know she's got four dice to like flip someone's mutant madmen on the back like she can do what we were talking about with corvus right where she can double move try to take someone else's back point um she she has a lot of options and now she's a little bit more threatening too and you can end up like she can get juiced up like because if you go put, you know, just imagine something where you're like playing Ronan and Hella, and like you kind of put him in a position where you're like, this is the person who's up here. Do you want to make attacks on Ronan? And then, you know, like, OK, well, Ronan got dazed and like now he's attacking you and knocking you off the point. So you don't even get to interact now and you're powering up. So like Hella's next thing is even more deadly where like she could now like, well, now she's already got a soul. So she's yep. going to like walk forward and then like do her pseudo charge and then she's gonna like now she's rolling a six dice makes like 
gives her a lot bigger of a threat range than she had. And it's been really good, especially if you get the extra, like, weird attack she has where uh, she deals damage and she heals herself. Uh, I did whiff that my first two times rolling it, and she dealt no damage. Damn. But it, it, it can get really annoying to try and daze her on her healthy side, at least. She also has pretty big swing pack potential. Like when, when yeah. she's got three souls and like the things that she can do and like the amount of dice that she can roll on people, um, like it can be, it can be explosive. Um, yep. So yeah, she's been really good. Any other, uh, any other splashes that you want to mention? Um, who else did I had on my list? I think usually like for now, I'm mostly sticking to the NFL in-house models, um, but ASM probably is the next one I'm going to give a real spin after I'm done with um, Gene and Cable that hypes me the most. Um, I would say, like, I feel like Deadpool's on my radar now, and maybe it's just because of how much I'm playing X-Force, <laughs> but holy fuck does that model do so much for a three-threat now, and I'm I'm kind of digging like the sub theme within the mutants that's like fucking with people's power generation. Yes. And there's a part of me that's like, what happens when I play like rogue Cyclops, um, Psylocke and Deadpool and then like maybe something else that fucks with power too? like, like what is or yeah, like or, or you know, even like Ronin and like what does this all end up being like for an opponent who's constantly not like they're taking damage, but they're not getting as much power as they're used to getting, right? Like what does that end up being like? Um and so yeah, I, I think, think that's an I just think okay. that's an interesting like option that might be available going forward. Yeah, I agree. I think uh there was already some like leaning into that with X Men before with uh, when Psylocke came out, just her and Rogue are already a pretty good duo of four thread that can at least control somewhat the amount of power the opposing models have. But now with like Pyro that can firewall, Deadpool that can uh, take power away, like I think there's something there worth exploring. Yeah, I mean it'd be really like you could just run Storm, Rogue, Psylocke, Deadpool, Pyro, and that's seventeen. And you're, you're just playing, like, that's just, like, five great characters that all do a shit ton of work, but then all have the side effect of messing with your opponent's ability to, like, actually have power. Yeah. So, um, would be, it would be really cool. Like, I'm going to have to, like, try something like that. Oh, um, sure. So, let's talk tactics cards for a minute. Like, first class, to me, my X-Men, like, they still, like, just as much. Yeah. Like, they're not going anywhere. But Children of the Atom is hitting my radar more as I'm playing more X-Men characters. Children of the Atom has been kind of often in my like 12th card. And now I think it might be the ninth or 10th. And like not in every game card. Where are you landing on Children of the Atom now? Uh, pretty much uh, where you are. I think before it used to be a lot of my like 11th, 12th card. Uh, but now I feel if you're playing like eight affiliated characters especially like if in my book if you're playing one of the five affiliated threats you should at least be considering it just because clearing things like staggers stuns and like really annoying conditions on your uh, more expensive models has a, a lot of a bigger impact um and i think for me that's also one of the reasons why i think its stocks has gone up just because you have model where it's a more impactful card agreed all right well we i want to have like a little bit of time for a bonus episode um was there anything that you wanted to get into this main episode um on x-men before we hit wrap-up time yeah i think there's something i wanted to uh say about x-men blue uh, that i've been seeing a lot on discord and i think i wanted to talk about it a little where I've seen a lot of people be down on Cyclops, especially on B-shaped maps. So we can think Infinity Formula, Mutant Batman. And I think it looks a lot worse than it is on paper uh, as compared to how it plays out. 
And what I mean by that is, as I was sort of saying early on in the episode, when you collapse on a flank and your characters tend to like group up together, I feel you probably it's easy to undervalue just how far range five is when you uh, like end of round one, early round two, start to collapse your character on the flank and feed them power so that going into round three, you can like pincer them uh, really hard with your powered up character. Uh, that's a play pattern I've noticed uh, be super, super effective when playing on those maps. I think uh, I've yet to play on um, Scoundrels with Cyclops, but I think it's something that could be worth trying out there. Yeah, I do think if you want to try to play um, X-Men Blue on Bees, I do think you are right that you should probably be planning to abandon either the left or the right side of the board at a certain point. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about it, like you, you kind of want like fairly mobile fast characters and such, right? Like obviously if you're playing on Mutant Mad Men, there's a good chance you might be playing Beast, but like that's the sort of thing you want to look for. And I think you want to set up things where, you know, like say, you're like, okay, I am officially abandoning this B. You double move towards the other one. And then you you do that at a point where Cyclops can like field leader them onto the point because they maybe they didn't quite get there. And then yeah. like he hit and runs and like shoots and then like moves forward. And then like part of the team that was already there pushes fully into their, um, you side know, the B the on their side of the terrible. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and so I think you you want to think about those sort of play patterns as opposed to, say, like Cabal back in the day with Red Skull. You really just kind of pressured both sides, right? You was like Red Skull yeah. and MODOK, and then you'd have like Ultron dropping off Venom or some other crazy shit, you know, like Zemo and Loki or or something. But you were you were you were just kind of like applying equal pressure on both sides. And I think with Cyclops, you're right that you're not really trying like you're not figuring out which side you're going to win. You're figuring out which side you are going to totally fucking collapse and like roll over and accept that you're going to give up one side and, um, you know, still, still functionally do something where you're like trying to stay up on like an extract advantage or something and then yeah. capitalize on all your speed later on to maybe like go back and pressure them, but keep the team a little bit more together. Yeah, I think that's the thing that's probably not super in intuitive when you get into X-Men Blue, that you have to, like, fully lean into Cyclops' character and have and try to have uh, as much of a macro perspective as you can, and, like, see the whole board for what it is. And I, I think it's a little bit flavorful, at least. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to see, like, down the road is I want to see if, like, some of, like, the pulling mechanics start to, like, show up in the Cyclops lists, you know, and, like, you could go in an extreme right of, like, Mind Thanos or something, but yeah. then, like, also, like, do you have characters like Gwen or OG Spider-Man or maybe even a Venom or something, like, where you're kind of, like, pulling people into, like, your 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 death squad? Like, is that going to... Is that going to be a thing that we see? Not sure. Maybe That's I think, very speculative. Um, uh, what's it called? Spectacular Spider-Man from the new core set is yeah. definitely on my radar for that because he's another character that strikes fairly hard and just like scales incredibly well with the extra power. Hey, I mean, like when you when you get to play the cool X-Men and you get to play Peter, like what what more could the internet ask for? Yeah, that's a dream come true. All right. Well, I think this is going to be a good spot to wrap up the episode. Um, I know you had a bunch of articles, but you're kind of starting some new ones. Why don't you shout out for the listeners yeah. where they can find you and your uh, your passion? Yeah, uh, you can find me, honestly, on most Discord. Uh, but I do have uh, X-Men dedicated blog for those who are interested. Uh, it's called MCP First Class. You can find it uh, under that name. Uh, I usually post like battle reps, uh, reviews, uh, play pattern analysis, and like uh, board state, uh, like not states of the board state, but just like uh, uh, openers and play patterns. Uh, 
of X-Men. Yeah, you, so, like, with the new leaderships, I've got my work cut out for me for probably <laughs> the rest of the year. You you have a little bit of work ahead of you, but you you know the whole community appreciates like what you what you have already done, and you're like you're not intimidated by the fact that like all right, all of this stuff is old. We're moving just into we're we're season two of only Vodka direction Blitz is articles. forward. <laughs> yeah, we're we're starting the archive over. The Vodka Blitz archive has restarted. Um, it's fully funded. It's it's ready to rock. Yep. All right. Well, Simon, I always appreciate when you come on and talk X-Men with me. Um, it's been a blast. We've kind of like shared in this whole journey, like the ups and downs. And so like it's it's really cool to kind of like step into this this next era. Yep. Uh, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to be hosted and uh, welcome to your show. Well, listeners, I will say the most OP thing that you can do is show up in one of these discords, tag me or Simon with your X-Men roster, and have the name of the roster be Bleeding Blue 